Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Game Changing Retail Leaders, presented by SAP, the best run SAP. You'll hear from the leaders who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to anticipate the future, recognize macro trends, and champion innovation in their organizations. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. If you want to run and shop with the Game Changers, you're in the right place because this is where the best do everything. Before we start the show, I'm thinking about a song. I wasn't playing it for the opening, and I promise I won't sing it. But those of you who've been around a while, if you remember, harking back to May 15, 1958, a beautiful movie debuted called Gigi. And in it, there was a song, and the title was Yes, I Remember It Well, sung by Maurice Chevalier and Hermione Gingold. They're all gone. But that's part of what I wanted to talk about today on the show. So I have a quote, a much more somber quote, actually, from, uh, let's see, it's from Research at Eventbrite. This will set us up nicely, but keep that song in mind. So the quote is, living a meaningful, happy life is about creating, sharing, and capturing memories earned through experiences that span the spectrum of life's opportunities. Just let that sink in for a second. This was done through a survey conducted online in the U.S. by the Harris Poll on behalf of Eventbrite back in 2014 among millennials and other adults 18 and older. So what are we talking about today? Memorable moments. It could be a movie, a song. It could be the birth of a child, a marriage. It could be buying a home, winning the lottery. We should all be so lucky. Or maybe something as simple as always finding your favorite brand of peanut butter at aisle seven because it's always supposed to be there. That could be a memorable moment. Well, maybe not so much that one. Many of us as consumers search out new experiences. And you know what? We're starting to reward the companies that understand that we want memorable experiences. We want those moments. But a lot of retailers are focused on price, the price wars, and one-day delivery. They know we want it now or 10 minutes before now. But it's time for retailers to take a look at what's really going on. It's time for you, and I'm addressing you retailers in any any part of retail around the world. You have to adapt to going beyond the sale. It's time for you to engage us, to delight us. We're your customers, and we want to be happy, and we want to have good memories. So retailers who invest in understanding who they are and their customers are can transform the same old, same old, same old buying routine into what we'd like to think are disruptive game-changing and memorable moments, and that's what we're talking about today. So welcome, welcome, welcome again. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. I have three experts on the show. I'm simply going to tell you their names and their companies, and then I'll introduce them and let them tell you themselves who they are. So in just a moment, you'll be meeting a newcomer to Game Changers Radio. It's Dustin Garris. He spells his last name G-A-R-I-S, and he may have somebody with him on the show. We'll find out. Garris Innovation. Joining him on the panel is Brian Kilcoris at RSR. We've had him on many times, and he'll be catching us up on what's new with Brian. And rounding out the panel is another returning guest. Always happy to have him on board, Matt Lakaitis at SAP. So gentlemen, panelists, welcome. Dustin Garris, you're up first. Please Please introduce yourself to our audience. Sure thing. And, you know, Bonnie, I, I actually wish that you had invited my second grade elementary school teacher to join us because I think she would do the best job of introducing me. All she would have to do is <laughs> mm-hmm. read from a letter, a handwritten letter that she had sent home to my parents one day, uh, quote, Dustin is a troublemaker. <laughs> now, you know... Perhaps she didn't mean it as a compliment, but that's certainly how I took it. And in reality, as I look back, 
that's certainly what guided me throughout my career as I eventually adopted the title of Chief Troublemaker at the Coca-Cola Company and at Procter & Gamble, which is where I spent my time disrupting the traditional approaches to marketing and innovation. So I like to think that essentially that meant my job was to give way too many people indigestion. And uh, I was good at it. I think I should partner up with Tums. Um, But really... On a, on a serious note, uh, I feel no. Incredibly- don't be don't be too serious. I'm love I'm loving the the pseudo comedy routine you're doing for us, and I I know you're serious, Dustin. But you, you have to tell everybody who is it that I alluded to. I alluded to something or someone who I think might be with you today while you're on the air. Can you tell everybody? I Go ahead. I believe you're referencing uh, Sasha, the goat uh, that I delivered yes. uh, the TED talk uh, about, and. Yes. Uh, uh, although, you know, she uh, is not as housebroken as, I don't know if you've noticed from watching the TED Talk, but she relieved herself on stage in the middle of my talk, which only added... I didn't get that far. <laughs> ...to the overall memorable experience, uh, which oh, is perfectly dear. on topic here. But well, uh, it, uh, I think that's part of a, a pattern. Um, and, uh, no, I, I just wanted to say that uh, I do feel incredibly fortunate uh, to have been in the position to have been able to help make an impact, you know, help to mm-hmm. reinvent business models and brand building and company culture and retail experience. And even for my, my current role now, where I guess you could say I, I'm continuing to spread my, my bad influence on others as a keynote speaker and brand experience advisor, which uh, both of which are, are very much tied to my purpose of helping spark transformation that builds life-changing brands. So clearly, I love the topic that we're covering today. Thank you so much for inviting me to join you. Oh, we're delighted to have you. But I don't think you mentioned your globe-trotting, your expeditions. Would you mind just giving us another 30 seconds of your bio and why you're called the Indiana Jones of marketing? I really want the audience to know that about you, Dustin. Oh, that, that's going to take a whole other hour show. But uh, in just a few seconds, um, part of my approach to innovation is taking on new tactics or approaches to uncovering insights. And uh, that does include going on expeditions uh, to various countries and situations around the world. Uh, So far, it's been uh, over 50. And uh, I absolutely love the the chance to step into the shoes of people from all walks of life to really understand what makes them tick. Thank you. Thank you for that. Brief to the point, but I wish we had time for more. Thank you, Dustin. One quick question before we go on to the other panelists. Chief Troublemaker, is this a title that somebody gave to you and then you said, yeah, I like it, I'll take it? Or did you say, just call me the Chief Troublemaker? Was that self-imposed or was that come from somebody else, an observer or a uh, – go ahead. This this was um, uh, given to me. Um, Actually, it was a pattern of uh, individuals that eventually evolved into the formal title. And uh, my philosophy is, is very much that I see this as being counter to other people refer to themselves as being a problem solver. And I think mm-hmm. especially when it comes to the field of innovation, if you are limiting yourself to just solving problems that already exist, you're not pushing the envelope far enough. You know, you're too busy mm-hmm. focused on the here and now versus what could be versus creating the disruption that causes and creates the white space that we could solve uh, for tomorrow. So I'd rather be on the leading edge of that versus behind the eight ball um, solving other people's problems. 
Thank you, Dustin. I applaud your attitude. Bravo. Not too many of us have the chutzpah, you may know that word or not, to uh, to take that attitude, and I'm glad somebody does. So thank you. Brian Kilcourse going around the table. Welcome back, Brian. Always happy to have you on. And I mentioned you're with RSR, that's Retail Systems Research, LLC. Brian, please catch us up. What have you been up to? Well, uh, doing my thing, Bonnie, as you know. I, I don't have a sexy title. I've been called many things. Um <laughs> Haven't we all? The word pain, <laughs> uh, cruel, those kinds of things. Um, for those of you who don't know me, I've spent most of my life in either retail proper or retail technology. I uh, Actually, my very first job was at a high-end woman's uh, clothing store where I met my wife back in 1970. And, um, and, and that experience informed a lot of my attitudes about what retail can be. Uh, what the, the Quickly, the story is, is that uh, women would come into the shop not because they wanted a blouse or a scarf or a skirt, but because they wanted to look great at a weekend event mm-hmm. or something like that. And that was the first hint that I had that we weren't in the uh, product selling business, we were in the solution business. Mm-hmm. And that has carried me through to this day. Um, I became a technologist in the 70s, in the mid-70s, back in the days when all you had to do was fog a mirror and somebody would decide to train you to be a programmer. Um, <laughs> the computers were pretty new. Um, I had a liberal arts degree, so I was, <laughs> by today's standards, I was infamously not qualified for the gig. But um, uh, as luck would have it, I also uh, got involved with a company that, um, that understood the strategic value of information very early. So that has been the other thing that I've been carrying, the other crusade that I've been fighting with, and I fight to this day, talking to companies about the strategic value of information. And we've posited the notion in RSR that your information asset is just as valuable as the products you sell or the buildings you sell them in or even the business processes that bring those, those, those products to market. How you use information is the difference between winners and everybody else. We have a lot of data that proves that, and I will probably be beating this drum until I fall down. So uh, that's my story, and I'm sticking with it. We don't want you to fall down. I have to do an unpacking of something Brian said. If those of you around the world are listening and saying, what did he mean by if you can fog a mirror? That means if you're breathing, for goodness sake. And, and Brian, by the way, I'm one of those people from the 70s who had a liberal arts degree and went into computer programming and operations and got a couple of degrees and became a mainframe programmer back in the late 70s and, and early oh. 80s till I moved into marketing and broadcasting. So I, I was one of those fogging the mirror people, but I chose programming because I love the idea that it could tease your brain into going in new directions. I thought that was a very interesting challenge. So thank you very much. Glad you're back. And uh, what, what, do we, what are we calling your title? What title do you want to have? Dustin has a very interesting one. What would you like? Your t- you could have a new title today. Brian, who do you well, want to be? You know, my official title is, is Managing Partner. Um, yeah. But... Um, um, you could call me uh, the professor if you prefer. I get called. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, we got a good conversation going here. Thank you. Malachitis, no competition here. We got some, some pseudo comedy routines going on here. We got some very interesting people. So, Matt, it's your turn. Step up to the plate and tell us what you've been up to since the last time you were on air with us. Go ahead, Matt. Well, these are, these are tough acts to follow, I'll tell you that much, but uh, we'll give it a shot and see where it goes. Please but, do. Uh, Bonnie, it's great to be with you again, Brian, you Thank as well, you. and um, it's, uh, it's been a great run for us. We've been very focused on helping uh, some great companies deliver experiences that are memorable for their own customers. So, uh, as you know, I've had the privilege of working 
at SAP in service of our customers for the last 15 years. Mm-hmm. And uh, my current focus is on our retail, consumer products, and wholesale distribution businesses in North America. And uh, the official title is uh, SVP and general manager, but you really could call me the head of customer success because we really mm. want to make sure that our customers are successful with their own endeavors. And uh, if I can go back to the 70s, <laughs> I reflect yes. back on our topic of experience, and I learned very early uh, the value of a good experience because I grew up in a small village of 2,000 people and my father was the country doctor in town. So I used to accompany him on house calls. So it was back oh, in the wow. time when he still did house wow. calls and uh, I got to see firsthand the importance of someone um, concentrating on a customer's experience and, and many times just calming someone down and ministering to them when they were sick. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, made a big impact on me in terms of my own career as it's turned out over the years, always focusing on customer ser- uh, service and uh, experience. And memorable moments. Thank you very much. Pleasure to have you back, Matt. Uh, Brian, I just want to tell you that uh, many years ago when I had my television show on Long Island, I, I did a business show briefly for the Chamber of Commerce. We had to walk the fine line of not making it about business, meaning not promotional marketing or anything like that, but just just about what they did, not who they were, and no advertising. Well, I remember walking into a salon in my community in Great Neck, Long Island, and interviewing the owner, Arnie, and Arnie had taken what was a small beauty salon, expanded into a place where there was a lunch counter, and downstairs there was a uh, party room where... Teenage girls could come with their Sweet 16 posse and go get their makeup done. And there was a men's grooming barber shop with a barber pole. And there was a spa. And he just kept expanding. He expanded himself out of business. But I said to Arnie, what kind of business are you in? He said, well, I'm in the business of cutting hair. I said, I don't think so. I think you're in the business of helping people feel good about themselves. You're in the business of making time stand still while somebody is paying attention to the customer, whether they're getting a massage or a facial or a haircut or a pedicure. You're giving them something to their life that really is incidental that there happens to be haircutting scissors or a razor involved or a a massage towel or whatever. Was I right about that, Brian? Experiences. You're exactly right, and you gave him a whole lot of free consulting services. <laughs> Back in the day, before I knew what I was doing. Thank you very much. <laughs> now it's time for us to go around. Now that we've had wonderful introductions, each of my panelists has sent me a very interesting quote from somebody or someplace or something that is not specifically related to our topic, although some of them are, and they're going to unpack, I love that word from the news, unpack the quotes for us just very briefly. Let's do two minutes each around the table. Dustin Garris has sent us a quote from somebody he met on one of his worldwide treks. He was in Red Square in Russia, and it's documented. Uh, you'll tell us how it's documented because I saw it in, in somebody's blog. The scientist was named Pasha, and here's the quote, very similar to what a an Italian poet named Cesare Pavisi, eight, 1908 to 1957, but here's the quote that Dustin heard firsthand. Life is not the number of days you live. It's the number of days you remember. What a beautiful quote. Dustin, who was Pasha and what was it like that day in Red Square? Yeah, so, uh, gosh, to me, Pasha was like Morpheus from The Matrix. Mm-hmm. And, and what he did to me by delivering that quote was like handing me the red pill. And mm. it just completely opened up my eyes, not only changing my approach to business, but literally changing the course of my life. Um, so when I met Pasha, it was, it was an unexpected time. I was part of this global research expedition that you referenced. 
Mm-hmm. And I was essentially trying to uncover the source of human motivation. And when I arrived in Moscow, I asked Pasha to help synthesize all this data that I had collected. And that's when he said that quote to me. Uh, life is not the number of days you live. It's the number of days you remember. I remember that. Like, instantly when he said that, I knew that he nailed this universal insight that we as humans aspire to live a memorable life. And yet, unfortunately, most of us, most of our days are full of forgettable routine. That, that's just the reality. In fact, Bonnie, mm-hmm. I'm going to put you on the spot. I'm going to ask yes. you a question. Sure. Looking back on the past month, out of those 30 days, how many stand out as being particularly memorable for you? I'm going to confess, Dustin, that my work as a broadcaster, meeting people like you and Brian and Matt, is is a highlight of my life. And I'm on the air five times a week. Plus, I have my own oh TV my show. Plus, I just started learning the drums nine months ago. And I'm a boom, baby boomer. So I play at open mic nights once a week. I was out at a club last night, played three songs, old-time rock and roll, Keep Your Hands to Yourself by uh, Georgia Satellites, and um, what did I play? Mustang Sally by Wilson Pickett with a group of musicians who come up, I came home higher than a kite, and here I am doing live radio. So okay. I have fil- I'm purposely have to find f- one of those clubs. <laughs> I have filled my life with memorable moments. Everything I try to do these days is a memorable moment, and I embrace what you're saying, Dustin, and I agree. I don't want a life that's blah anymore. I want to create those memorable moments, and I seek yeah, them, you, I create them. So you know, you know who I am now. You are... An outlier, I must say. You know, it turns out, based on research, most people have only three memorable days in a month. And this is absolutely tragic. You know, we have this limited time on Earth, and just way too much of it passes by in a blur. And at the same time, what a massive opportunity that this presents to businesses to disrupt that norm, to help enrich people's lives, to reach their deepest aspiration. And, And that's what excites me so much about this topic, because when, when we solve this, right, yep. not only are we making this profound impact on the world, but customers are going to reward you for it. So. Absolutely, positively, we could spend hours talking about our, our own experiences with the good memories we've had as retail customers, but I'm going to move on now, Brian Kilcourt. Thank you, Dustin. Such a pleasure to meet you. You're our newcomer today, and we're so glad you're joining us. And by the way, it is thundering and lightning and booming and windy here in Durham, and the windows are covered with rain, and I can hear the thunder out of the window, and I'm hoping we keep the power. So let's just keep powering on, as they say. If not, I'll call back on my cell phone if I drop. Brian Kilcourt has sent us a quote from something I've never heard of before. It's a 1984 mockumentary, which is a movie that mocks. It's called This is Spinal Tap. It was considered a comedy and a musical film. And the character he is quoting is named Nigel Tufnell, fictional character played by actor Christopher Guest. And Rob Reiner created this. It became a cult classic comedy starring not only Christopher Guest, but Michael McKeon and Harry Shearer. And Michael McKeon may be familiar to some of you as from the Squiggy and uh, Squiggy days, Squiggy and Lenny on um, uh, Laverne and Shirley. Yes. So here is the quote. Do you want me to read it, Brian, or do you want to read it? It's a long one. What do you, what do you prefer? Most blokes, you know, will be playing at 10. You're on 10 here, all the way up, all the way up, all the way up. You're on 10 on your guitar. Where do you go from there? Where? Well, what we do is, if we need that extra push over the cliff, you know what we do? We put it up to 11. One step louder. 
Yay! That Bravo. was absolutely gorgeous. Bravo. That was gorgeous. Are you sure we're on Game Changers Radio? I feel like we're doing this cabaret here today. No, <laughs> Brian, I hate to use that word, that news word, but unpack that for us. What are we talking about memorable moments? I hope you can hear me over the the storm that's raging four feet away from my desk here. Go ahead. No, I can hear you just fine. Uh, Well, you you. know, it's a funny movie, of course, and it's also very close to my life. You know that uh, we've talked about this before. I'm a lifelong rock and roller, and I like it loud. Um, We can talk about that (laughs) forever. But the the point that he's trying to make is that you, you you can do a lot of different things in life. You can do, you can play a lot of different instruments. You can do all kinds of things. Um, but what he is telling you is he does one thing, and he's going to do it one point louder than the mm-hmm. other guy. And I think I think that's really wise when you when you unpack it. Um, when we're always we're always uh, being um, pushed to do more and more and more. But I have found in my career, and I've I've explained it to others as well, that you pick what you do really well, and then do it. Just nail it. Just nail it. Uh, take it to the top and then one step beyond and you'll be amazed what you can accomplish I love that approach and I agree with you louder and louder when I play when I go up to drum and I bring my three songs Brian I love to play louder people are probably surprised well why don't you play something soft and sweet <laughs> no I don't think so and when I play old time rock and roll boom and I hit that first kick and that first bass <laughs> I'm ready to rock and roll and I come alive and it's so strange because I've only been playing nine months I've already playing with two bands I have my own open mic night here in my community where musicians sign up and they bring songs they want to play and I'm the house drummer it, it Dustin I don't think it gets any better than this. I'm, that's just the way it is. So thank you for the rock and roll quote from the movie. I'm glad you introduced me to that, Brian. And now we're going to move to a different type of a quote. Matt Lakaitis has found something much more pastoral for us. He is quoting Icelandic, uh, what do we have here? We have Icelandic um, images and Icelandic, what are these, odes? Are these prophecies? What, are, what would we call these, these types of quotes you're sending me, Matt? We're, we're calling it an Icelandic proverb. Uh, proverb, okay. I want to read. I'm going to read these. Years. I'm going to read the two of these. And and there's a beautiful okay. website he found called historyfangirl.com. And the part of that website is quotes about Iceland with images. That's what threw me off. So here are the two that Matt has sent us. Number one is you will reach your destination though you travel slowly. That's one. And the other one is a good beginning makes a good ending. Matt, either or both, up to you. Would you like to tell us what they mean to you on our topic today? Yeah, I thought they were very appropriate for the topic. So uh, we had just returned from a family vacation in Iceland a few weeks ago, and it's a place that I've always wanted to go, and it was spectacular. So a short little quick plug to travel to Iceland. It's amazing. But in, in doing that, I started to look a little bit into the culture and the history, and I came across these two sayings, which preparing for our our show today, they're very appropriate, I think, to the journey that many people are on um, from a company perspective where they're trying to deliver experiences. The first is you really have to start well to to be able to reach your destination. So a good beginning does make a very good ending. And secondly, you will get there, but you may travel slowly. And what I didn't realize was the reason this is an Icelandic proverb is there's very few roads on the island. Um, and sometimes you can kind of get stuck behind traffic. But uh, at any rate, knowing where you're going, uh, having a good beginning, and then I think as you go along this longer journey to delivering that true experience, I'd like, uh, I'll be talking about having many beginnings, right? So iterating yes. very fast as you go along driving these experiences. 
And I thought the two of those were very appropriate to talk about in relation to our topic. Thank you very much. I love both of them, and I like that you sent me to the website to take a look. I enjoyed reading those. Thank you very much, Matt. Uh, Let's see now, a little bit of up close and personal with our panel. So two quick questions, and then we're going to go to break in a minute. I'll tell you my part of this next topic when we get to it. Dustin Garris, where in the world are you today? What's your favorite drink that powers you? You've been all over the world. What do you love the most? Well, I'm actually fortunate to be back in civilization today. Um, I had been off the grid for some time, leading an executive retreat, get this, in a decommissioned torpedo bunker in a cave below a mountain on an island off the coast of Sweden. So uh, clearly no access to a telephone, but I was able to change my plans to make it back to the east coast of the U.S. just for you, Bonnie. Seriously, we are beyond honored. Thank you very much. So what's your favorite drink, inside the bunker or outside the bunker? What have you got? This is a no-brainer for me because there is one drink from around the world that will always hold a very special place in my heart because it actually kept my heart beating. I am convinced it saved my life. And uh, this I discovered on one of my extended expeditions while I was leading global innovation at P&G Futureworks. I was living in a remote village in northern India, and I had gotten violently ill from drinking the water. I was a complete wreck. It was nasty. Mm. And the only thing that I was able to drink was watermelon juice. So I completely survived off of watermelon juice for months. And even to this day, I drink watermelon juice at least once a week, sometimes daily. And yes, I'm picking up my glass. It is in my glass right now as we speak. So cheers. Well, do you know that the the uh, drink company Simply, I sometimes buy Simply Orange, they have one called Simply Watermelon. I'm going to look for it because I go shopping for my groceries on Thursday and I know exactly where the Simply bottles are kept in the refrigerator case on the left side of my Harris Teeter here in Durham, North Carolina. And uh, Amazon says shop watermelon juice. They have free two-day shipping with Prime. Of course they do. And beautiful straws and ice cubes, watermelon juice. Who knew? Thank you. That's a first for us, Dustin. I probably have had 5,000 people on these shows over the years. Never heard watermelon juice, so thank you very much. Brian Kilcourse, where are you today, and what's your passionate drink of the, of the year or of the day or the month? Well, I'm in beautiful Northern California. I'm uh, just down the hill a ways from Lake Tahoe. I'm uh, out, out in the, uh, the Sierra foothills. It's an absolutely beautiful day today. I love living here. I lived in the Bay Area for about 40 years, and we decided it was time to just head for the hills, literally. So uh, that's what we did, and uh, I have never looked back. It's just been a delightful time. So um, I've become really chauvinistic about it, and as a matter of fact, if you want to get out of that weather, Bonnie, I suggest you mm-hmm. come to this coast. you probably <laughs> like it. Um, Thank as far you. As my the storm's drink, over, by the way. Our storms last about 12.3 minutes. I'm learning, Brian. I'm, I've only been here a year and a half, and the storms typically come in the afternoon. They cloud everything up. They're noisy. They're wet. They're miserable. And then you've got 90 degrees in sun 12 minutes later. So we're now going into sunshine. But thank you. Go ahead. Drink? Well, my favorite drink is, is, is uh, I have to confess, it's a Guinness Stout from the tap. But here's the key to that. Mm. The tap has to be in a pub in the west of Ireland. That's that's really what makes it. Um, any any other place in the whole world, and it just doesn't work. But um, at a beautiful little pub in the west of Ireland, and and working on a on a pint of Guinness Stout from the tap, is a heavenly thing. Very nice. And and I once asked on one of these shows, Brian, somebody what their favorite 
cup of something was. And they said, coffee. I said, what's your favorite coffee? And they said to me, Bonnie, it doesn't matter. It's with whom I'm having the coffee. It's the Uh experience. It's the company. It's the companionship. What's in the cup is not the experience or the memory. It's the companionship. And I thought that was absolutely beautiful. So there we go back to our memorable moments theme here. Thank you, Brian. Malachitis, where are you today? And what's your favorite drink these days? I'm in uh, New York City. I'm uh, currently at the Columbia Business School in Manhattan, and I think we just mm. got your storm. But, Thank you. Um, Sorry. <laughs> I, I continue to have my elusive pursuit of a perfect Manhattan, and uh, it so happens I'm in a great spot to do that. So as you know, I like to experiment with different types of bourbon in that mix, and um, it's a very fun thing to do during all the travel that I do on the road. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Yes, I remember you've been talking about Manhattans for a while. Speaking of where you are, absolutely. I'm formerly from Long Island here in Durham. Uh, August 27th will be two years. Very, very interesting. Getting used to summer that starts in about late April, early May. And we've had tipping over the 100-degree mark for a couple weeks. But thank goodness now we're only up into the 90s. We have about 25-degree temperature spread every day. It's hard to know how to set your thermostat for which zone, which time of the day, if it's going to be 68 at night and it's going to be 94 by 11 in the morning. It's really, really hard to set that thermostat. So anyway, what can I tell you? Uh, Dustin doesn't know this about me, but you probably will not be surprised. Dustin, today is a double-header radio show day. This is my second live show, so they don't let me anywhere near caffeine or anything like that. (laughs) You know why. So I'm only allowed to have water, and I have recently switched to paper and silicon straws because I'm trying to do my part to not gunk up the oceans with plastic straws anymore. I know it's a very small percent of the gunk, but I am trying to do my best. So I tried paper straws, not crazy about them, but they're expensive, so I'm forcing myself to use them until they're done. And I just bought silicone straws. They're a little weird, but they don't have an aftertaste, and that's fine with me. So here we are. So if you're just tuning in, I I have to tell you we're having a lot of fun because this is a really interesting topic. Shout out, of course, to Stephen Sparrow. His last name is spelled just like it sounds. He's the retail bird at SAP. He's the sponsor of this series, and Stephen puts together such a interesting topics and invite such fascinating and engaging guests. And that's why we have here today Dustin Garris, Brian Kilcourse, and Matt Lakaitis. Our topic is Retail Memorable Moments, Creating the Unexpected for Consumers. We're going to take a very quick break here, 90 seconds. You can count them along with us. And when we come back, we're going to dive into at least three of the topics that my guests have sent me in their notes before the show, starting out with one from Dustin Garris at Garris Innovation, and find out whether you're a retailer, whether you're in the industry or not, it doesn't matter. Stick around because you're a consumer of something. You must have something to do with retail and you probably want to know what are we telling retailers they need to do to make those memorable moments available for you. So this is a two-sided topic that appeals to everyone in the world. That's why we're doing it. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. Here we go. Don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. You know the drill. Aaron out. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. 
Seismic shifts occurring across all consumer-facing industries are driving traditional retailers and brands to radically rethink their business models. A new breed of leaders is emerging who have the courage, conscience, and creativity to champion innovation in their organizations. Game-Changing Retail Leaders brings you insights from these radical change agents who anticipate the future, recognize macro trends, and snap their companies out of the past. They drive fundamental strategic and structural transformations within their organizations to create new business models. They innovate game-changing partnerships, cultural shifts, sustainability strategies, and technologies to create new consumer value propositions. Tune in to the Business Channel to hear from retail leaders who are driving radical innovation and transformative change within their companies to evolve their strategy on customer engagement and the overall customer experience. Game-Changing Retail Leaders, presented by SAP. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Listening to Game Changing Retail Leaders, presented by SAP. You're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Game Changing Retail Leaders. Exactly right. That's the topic today. That's the series. The topic is retail memorable moments. Come on, you know you all want more of those, and you will reward the retailers who give them to you or help you find them. How do retailers create the unexpected for the consumers? You and me and everyone we know. We're finding out from Dustin Garris, G-A-R-I-S, at Garris Innovation, Brian Kilcourse at RSR, and Matt Lakaitis at SAP. And I'm still Bonnie and plan to be for at least the next 30 minutes. So here we're diving into our roundtable, and here is a statement that Dustin Garris sent us. We're going to let Dustin talk about it for about two minutes, then we'll invite Brian and Matt to chime in, agree or disagree, and then we will pick one from from Brian's list and then one from Matt's list. Here's what Dustin told me. He says, the competitive playing field of the future in retail isn't just product features, discounts, shipping, share of voice, etc., Brands must differentiate by helping customers and employees experience the world in novel and enriching ways. Big statement. Dustin, tell me more, please. Well, you know, I think it's important for us to step back and understand how the marketplace got here. What are those major forces, those drivers behind this shift? And one of those key drivers relates to this changing dynamic of a product's life cycle. You know, we know when a, a product is launched with some new feature, it becomes all the rage until competition catches up and then it becomes normalized. Well, that period of time and, and really the significance of that time is shrinking. And this is primarily because, you know, as customers, our, our needs, our wants are, are already sufficiently met. You know, I like to think about smartphones. You know, how many more megapixels and camera lenses can we possibly handle? I think our eyes mm-hmm. physically can no longer see the difference in resolution from one to the next. We've exhausted this, people. So now it's time for us to focus on where there still is a gap, right? Where 
what, what people still really want. It's not necessarily a higher resolution camera. It's moments in life worth photographing. Right, those remarkable experiences that tap into our human desire for living a memorable life. And then when we can deliver on that, like, God, like, that's when we've changed the game, when we create a whole new playing field, when customers turn into these passionate loyalists and advocates. That's what we're looking for. Thank you very much. Let's see if we get an agreement or disagreement or any shade of meaning from Brian Kilcross. Brian, please join us. Well, yeah, I, I, I agree with this wholeheartedly. You know, when you think about what consumers um, are doing when they shop is, is they're trying to solve a problem. Um, the problem might be a real simple one, like I need to put a decent meal on the table today, or it might be a, a real complex problem. Uh, but in, in, in every case, they're, they're just trying to solve a problem. And, and this might seem like an old story. You might have heard this before, but it actually happened to my brother. Um, so I'll repeat it. Um, he was the store manager of an Ace Hardware store, and a, mm-hmm. a little old lady came in, and she said, I need a variable-speed drill. And, and he looked at her, and he said, I'll bet you she doesn't even know what that is. Uh, so he said, uh, what do you need the drill for? And she said, well, I need, a, I need to cut a hole in my, in my garden gate so I can, so I can put a, um, a latch. I can open the latch on the gate. And he says, ah, he says, you don't need a variable-speed drill. You need a hole. And she said, well, I guess I hadn't thought about it. And he says, I'll tell you what. He said, um, I'll come by your house and I'll, I'll cut a hole in your, in, your, in your gate and I'll put the latch on. And so he did that. Uh, he got a cup of tea and a snack out of that and he, and he didn't charge her anything. And he lost the sale, but he solved the problem. That to me is a great re- retail story, but it also points to the real issue. And that's that consumers aren't buying things. They're, they're buying solutions. Mm-hmm. And that's what people seem to forget. The solution is in aisle 12, Mrs. Smith. It's not the drill. It's the solution. Thank you very much. Matt Lakaitis, join us. Thoughts, agree or disagree, or add on? I would say I agree, but I'd have to add on that it has to be uh, authentic, and it has to come from a place of authenticity, right? So it's got to make sense in context. So, for example, REI is a great example of a retailer that does things incredibly well, and they also deliver experiences that you can go and not only buy the gear that you want to go on the experience, you can also go through REI and have a great experience through REI. But if someone else tried to get in on that, uh, that type of service and that type of trip, but they didn't have the experience or the quality that an REI did, it wouldn't work, right? So the consumer wouldn't have that. So it's not enough just to mimic something someone else does. It also has to have that, that bedrock of authenticity to it to make it real. Thank you very much. Dustin, briefly, anything you want to add? Because I'm ready to plow through with something from the statements from Mr. Kilcourse. Dustin? Well, I love the, the REI example, um, and I completely agree with Matt about this authenticity. And I think that what they do so well is that they deliver an experience that delivers on um, their, their brand purpose. Uh, and their promise. Mm-hmm. And uh, I actually have a family member that works at REI, so I was given some access to the, the secret behind their success, you know, and what REI essentially cracked the code at. And they found something that's even more valuable than an authentic experience, and that is a shared experience. Mm-hmm. So they see themselves actually not as those that necessarily deliver the experience, but they facilitate those shared experiences among their friends and families and then also their own REI expedition guides. So they built that into the very structure of who they are to deliver on their purpose. So uh, I'm 
full agreement of, of REI just representing that this is how you approach developing and, and leading experiences that deliver on your purpose. Interesting. Thank you. I'm, I'm remembering my supermarket experiences in Long Island where I lived for the 32 years before I moved here and the experiences here in, in the Raleigh-Durham area. And I remember in New York, if you asked where something was in a supermarket, you got a nasty pointed finger, it's over there in aisle three, or I'm too busy, or the manager would yell at you, why do you want to know? And you had to take your own groceries out of the cart and put them on the belt, and they looked at you funny. Here, you don't touch the cart. You just wheel it up, and the, the checker unpacks it. They take it out of the cart, and they bag it for you, and you don't have to do a thing and they tell you how the flowers you bought from their flower shop smell so good and they ask you how you are and they ask you if you need somebody to carry the cart out, push it out to your car and load the groceries for you and if you ask where something is, the person in the store will actually leave their station and walk you to that aisle and make sure you find it. Completely different. It's packed with memorable moments. I was so overcome, overwhelmed by this customer service, this approach to, yes, you're shopping here, yes, you're going to spend your money here and we're going to make it delightful for you from the day I set foot in this new Harris Teeter. So that's my comment on all of of that, but Brian Kilchrist, I think I just gave a very good intro to one of your statements I'm going to read right now. You know I'd get to it eventually. Brian says, quote, this is Brian Kilchrist talking, I have yet to meet a retailer who doesn't think he or she is customer-centric. Of course they do, but that's not really how business processes are aligned. Brian, please tell us more, and then we'll go around the table. Go ahead. Well, it's an interesting problem, and it's, and it's a here and now problem, which I'm sure that, uh, that Matt in particular has been working on with his clients, is the retail, the retail business was designed to push as much of a product through a channel as possible. That's the whole point of it. Um, and, and the way we say it at RSR is the business model was built around not what the, the consumer wanted to buy, but what the retailer wanted to sell. And you can expand that to the entire value chain. Mm-hmm. So it's very, very product-centric. And as a matter of fact, if you really wanted to be harsh about it, um, the consumer actually didn't really matter very much when uh, the only channel that was available for a consumer was a store. Uh, the, the consumer mm-hmm. had to buy what the, what the retailer was featuring. Um, but retailers um, have learned, and it, it started in 2007, right at the beginning of the recession, that consumers had different ideas. And, they, and in fact, they revolted, and they revolted with the power of information. So one of the things I'll typically say in a speech is that you have to remember that for the first time in the history of our species, the consumer now carries a store around with them in their purse or their pocket. Mm-hmm. And they have that power of information. Now, that having been said, they still want experiences. Uh, you know, still, a vast majority of sales go through the stores, but retail, consumers' expectations have changed remarkably. Smart retailers are, start, are now talking about the lifetime value of consumers. So instead of thinking about how much product can you push through a channel, uh, smart retailers are starting to think about what is the lifetime value of that consumer to us. And what do I need to do in order to to ensure that um, the customer needs are met and exceeded and uh, we realize that value? And it's a very different way of looking at the world. The problem is, and um, if I'm talking from a systems perspective, is that statement challenges virtually every system that I spent my entire career implementing. (laughs) So it's it's just a very, very different way of looking at the world. 
And this kind of gets back in a weird way to the, to the REI example or the Harris Teeter example. These are wonderful experiences. And REI is one of my favorite retailers on the entire planet. Mm-hmm. The question for them and for any retailer that's trying to be that customer-centric is that they have to know how to, what, what they need to do in order to be able to achieve that level of relevance at scale. They have to seem one-to-one to whoever, they, whoever mm-hmm. touches them, but they have to, in order to be able to, to succeed as a business, they have to learn how to do that at scale, and that's a really big challenge. Thank you very much. Good points. Matt Lakaitis, join us. Thoughts about what Brian just shared. Dustin, you get ready because you're coming up next. Go ahead, Matt. Yeah, I think that's right. I mean, I think there still, there still exists very much uh, what we call the experience gap, right, where if you take a, if the research shows that if you survey CEOs, up to 80% of the CEOs surveyed feel that they, be, they deliver a great experience that's consistent with their brand promise. But if mm-hmm. you actually talk to their customers, you find that only 8% of their customers agree with that. And that's a factor of 10, right? So that's really the experience gap. And the reason that exists, Brian alluded to it, but there's so much that has to go right from a, a process, from a systems perspective. It's almost like an orchestra. Everything's got to be in complete, perfect alignment and perfect sync to deliver on those promises. Uh, and it's complicated by the fact that many of them are done by people as well. So you have the people equation in there. And um, we're seeing a lot of customers that are really working to fill that gap and really deliver consistently on each of those experiences because when you deliver one experience well, it makes it that much easier to deliver the next new experience even better. Very interesting. Thank you very much. I like that experience gap comment. Dustin Garris, join us. Thoughts? Yeah, I I love this uh, focus on being customer-centric. And for me, that means starting by understanding not just, you know, what the customers want when it relates to your products or your retail environment or your surface, but what do people really want in life? And when I think about answering that question, there is a Chinese proverb that comes to mind uh, that I learned about from a fortune cookie. All great wisdom comes from fortune cookies, of course. <laughs> yes, it does. <laughs> uh, this one is hearing something a thousand times is less impactful than experiencing it once. Mm. When I think about that, I think that's how true. Like I could, I could tell you about the most delicious apple pie until I'm blue in the face, but that won't even come close to matching the experience of you tasting it for yourself. The difference between the two is enormous, and yet so many businesses, so many retailers and manufacturers are still so caught up on talking, right, and tweeting and posting and Instagramming and using signage to convince us all to live this fantastic, memorable life. But if they were truly customer-centric, then they would stop talking and help us actually live their brand and experience their brand. Uh, in a really profound way. And, uh, you know, I remember we, we took this challenge on at, at P&G, which, as you can imagine, was quite the challenge that we don't own any direct interaction with customers. We had to go through retailers. And we decided to disrupt that model by launching our own service businesses, the Mr. Clean Car Wash and Thai Dry Cleaners. And... The way that we approached this was actually not with the mindset of trying to extract, you know, greater uh, lifetime value of our customers. You know, that's fantastic, but I'm more interested in how do we create multi-generational value from our customers and relationships 
that, that span, not just one individual, but how do they pass that connection from with a brand on uh, to their children um, and to others. And um, we managed to achieve this with um, the build-out of the Mr. Clean Car Wash, which um, is a, actually a funny story. I was chatting it up with one of the customers just doing an undercover site visit one weekend, and one of the customers mentioned that he comes in every single Sunday from a part of town that's 15 miles away. So he had to pass by eight competitive car washes to get mm-hmm. to our location. And the reason why he did that is because we had installed these water guns for kids to shoot the cars as they passed through the tunnel. <laughs> and his son just absolutely loved it. You just see him beaming. So for him, getting his car washed at Mr. Clean was really an opportunity to create a memory for his son to look back on when he's old. That was priceless. That was like linking generations together through our brand experience. And he didn't even care much about cleaning his car, I'll be honest with you. Um, Wow. But it was making that connection. That's a magical connection. Thank you very much. Brian, with your permission, I'm going to quickly move on to squeeze in one more topic here, even though we're technically in the predictions round. I want to pull up one topic from Matt. Matt, I'm just going to have you comment. This is an important one. So you say the best companies hire talent and then unleash them on new jobs. In fact, most of the jobs of the future don't exist yet. This is the modern-day version of Nordstrom's famous mantra, hire the smile, train the skill. Hires that support your culture will lead your brand to new heights of success. Can you make this into your prediction, Matt? We'll start with you on the the crystal ball round. I can give you actually two minutes because I want to make sure you get time on this. Would you like to make us a prediction about how great memorable experiences and and creating the unexpected for your customers will, will involve or revolve around hiring the right talent for your brand, Matt? Sure. Yeah, I think that's an easy one, right? I thank think you. you set it up. Uh, you set it up pretty well. Uh, thank, you. thank you for that. But it, it is true Welcome. that the the most pervasive thing that's going to predict the success or failure of some of these companies now uh, in the future is: are they going to be able to maintain their culture effectively enough going forward? Some of these cultures are incredibly high performing, um, but as they grow exponentially, are they able to reinforce that culture and make sure every incremental hire continues to build that culture? Does it keep it the same or does it degrade it? So uh, we're seeing a lot of focus on talent and culture as it relates to uh, delivering experiences because, as, as we talked about, the jobs of the future don't exist. In fact, my daughter's just graduating from high school, and when, they, when she was in middle school, the, the teacher said, basically, look, all the jobs you're going to have, we don't even know what they are yet, right, when you graduate from college. So it's important to reinforce the culture, the company, the values through talent and then you unleash that talent in all the new directions that you choose to go in as a company. That's really the only way these companies are going to continue to thrive and succeed and continue to differentiate those experiences from their competition. Thank you, Matt. Beautifully done. Dustin Garris, we're officially in our crystal ball predictions round, so you get to go second after Matt. We flipped the tables around her a little bit to get one more talking point in there, and thank you for that, Matt. So, Dustin, look into the crystal ball. I've got just barely 90 seconds with your name on if you want to take a crack at this and tell us what you see will change about this whole concept of delivering the unexpected and focusing on memorable moments for your customers, whatever you're doing in retail. Dustin, you're up. Sure. So, um, you know, my prediction is that nothing will change. Mm. And, you know, I, I think it's really easy for us to get distracted by the shiny object of the day. But 
when we zoom out, you know, and we look beyond all the tech and gadgets and buzz and really focus on those fundamental human insights, what makes us tick as people, what we aspire to, what we fear, what we love, that hasn't changed for thousands of years, and it's certainly not going to change in the next five years. So perhaps I'm the most old-school futurist in that I see the future as a reflection of our past. We've seen all this before, whether it's recommendations or content or personalization. So if I were to predict something, it's that the leaders of the future will win because they, they leverage their technology and resources and their intelligence to help us be more human. That's it. Beautifully said. Thank you very much. Brian Kilcourse, I've got mm, 90 seconds just about with your name on them. Why don't you give us your prediction? Well, I really liked what I just heard. I think that's really true. I, um, you know, I've been a retailer most of my life. One of the things that isn't said very often is that retail is entertainment. And uh, mm. humans have always entertained themselves. Um, how they entertain themselves changes. And it's important for, for any business to pay attention to that. But if, uh, fun- fundamentally, what people do is they go shopping because they want to go shopping. It's a fun experience. Now, having said that, there's a difference between the things that you need in life to sustain, to sustain your life and the things that make life really, really interesting. And I think one of the things that retailers will be doing in the next several years and their partners will be focusing on how to expedite, um, let's call it the acquisition of those things that you need in order to sustain life so that you can focus more of your time and attention on those things that really make life sweeter. Um, it's the it's it's an extension of the old yarn. You need to be able to distinguish between what's interesting and what's merely and what's merely interesting and what's important. And that's mm-hmm. what uh, that's what companies who serve the the, uh, the 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 population need to be thinking a lot about. Thank you very much. Beautifully done, all three of you. I have a quick lightning round question. I could just get one sentence from each of you, not a five-sentence, one-sentence, but a one-sentence, one without all the semicolons and, and ellipses. And then the question is, what has been your favorite retail moment in the past uh, ten, two days to the past year? Let's say 2019, your favorite retail memory. You can give a brand name or a store name if you want, but just what was it about? Why was it memorable? Really fast. Dustin, pack it into one sentence for me. We're almost out of time. Sure. Uh, I was able to experience for the first time a donut grilled cheese that I've never experienced before in my life, and it was an absolute magical experience that I will always remember. Thank you. Brian Kilcourt's favorite retail memorable moment of 2019. It's a Starbucks story, and I'm sorry for that. Um, as you know, I'm a coffee no addict, and, I, and when, I, when I travel, I ask for a certain type of a coffee. It's usually as much espresso and as little water as possible. And, um, and I explained this to one of the clerks, and she says, oh, what you want? And she gave me the name of it, which I've conveniently forgotten for this discussion. She it's said, okay. next time you go to a Starbucks, ask for this, and then it'll save you a couple of bucks. Um, and nice. I thought, she didn't have to do that. Um, no. But you know what? I went to another Starbucks that day just to try it, and you know what? It worked. Beautiful. Malachita's favorite retail memorable moment. One sentence, two sentences I'll give you. 2019. Go ahead, Matt. Uh, I came back from vacation and found I needed an electrician, and I was very nervous about finding an electrician who was available. Finally scheduled one, and it was a tremendous experience because before the electrician showed up, I, was, I got a text message from the electrician with a picture of that person and the things they like to do and a little bit about their family, and it totally changed the whole context of the uh, interaction. It was fantastic. 
Beautiful. And I have a cleaning service here where they text me the day before and remind me what time the cleaning crew is going to show up and tell me exactly who's coming. And this is just a a very low level, not a big company, just a young woman who runs it with her mother and a friend. And she always gives me that courtesy and I can appreciate that. Thank you. Three panelists, I couldn't have asked for a better show today. Thank you so much. I have to do a shout out again to Stephen Sparrow, our retail bird. That's all one word with an at sign in front of it on Twitter, retail bird. At SAP, sponsor of this series, Stephen, you knocked it out of the park again and again and again. Shout out to Aaron Keller, our engineer extraordinaire at World Talk Radio, who tells me I have 30 seconds. And here's my call to action. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Go out and be and shop like a game changer today, just like Dustin Garris at Garris Innovation, just like Brian Kilcourse at RSR, and, of course, just like Matt Lokaitis at SAP. Bonnie D. Graham signing off. Have a great day and make it memorable. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Game Changing Retail Leaders, presented by SAP. The best run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again Wednesdays at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.